This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. In today's episode, rather than going down our usual path of exploring a single quote, I'd like to take the opportunity to do something a little bit different. Today is the first in a three-part series where we will take a look, not at a singular quote, but instead a grouping of 13 traits, each with their own value and also value as a collective. In order to keep the time manageable, we'll examine a few each week for the next few weeks. There will be little snippets of quotes associated with each, but this is less about the words and more about the individual characteristics that the speaker brings to us. And again, in an effort to be mindful of your time, we'll keep it to just a few of the individual virtues every single week. There's two reasons for this. First, it gives some semblance of brevity, and it also gives us time to digest and internalize. Rather than a belt-busting buffet, as it were, this is more a small plate type of episode. The goal here is that we walk away with something actionable. You know that this podcast has evolved into as much of a challenge to be better and to improve as it is to explore words themselves. As usual, I tend to bring words to the table that I think are of value, and I hope that you find them to be the same for you. So today, we'll be exploring the first four of Benjamin Franklin's 13 virtues. Now, Benjamin Franklin was born January 17th. 1706, and died April 17th, 1790. Now, interestingly, the date of his birth was actually changed midway through the 18th century due to a British calendar shift in 1752. It shifted the official first date of the year from March 25th to January 1st, as we know it today. So that moved his birthday back more than an entire year to January 6th, 1705, vice January 17th, 1706. Also, an interesting figure, and he is the first, I believe, that we've had on the podcast as the subject of an episode, who was born as part of British America. He was born in Boston, Massachusetts Bay, as part of British America, but died in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, as part of the United States of America, which is a pretty interesting distinction. And as I go here, you'll notice there's a few other interesting things about Benjamin Franklin. Notably, he is of the kite-on-a-string fame, and for those that are not familiar, it is the idea that by hanging a metal key on a kite string, he could identify the he could prove the theory that lightning and thunderstorms were a result of some form of electricity which debatably he never actually did himself you can imagine how dangerous it would be to fly a kite with a key attached to it on the end of a string that you're holding onto in the middle of a lightning storm don't know that he did it and nor should you 
He was also a Freemason. He was, interestingly, the author of Poor Richard's Almanac. That's Almanac with a CK at the end, not just a C, by the way, under the pen name of Richard Saunders. And for those not familiar, Poor Richard's Almanac was published for a number of decades in the mid-18th century, and it contained things like things like weather for the seasons, uh, little games and puzzles, as well as life hacks, I guess is what you would call them, before they were cool and all over the internet. He is also, as you well know, the resident permanent resident of the $100 bill, at least until somebody decides to change to somebody else interesting. And I think probably the most interesting factoid of, of a very interesting individual is that he's the only signatory of all three of the U.S. Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, and the Treaty of Paris. And even if you're an American citizen, you may not be familiar with a third of those. The Treaty of Paris was actually signed in seventeen in the 1780s, and it ended officially, I believe it was 1783, ended officially the Revolutionary War. So, an interesting and all-around fascinating man. Now that we know that about Benjamin Franklin, you can imagine that he probably had some interesting idiosyncrasies and some oddities and some peculiarities associated with him. And one of the things that I find most interesting about people of Benjamin Franklin's era, his generation, if you will, is that a lot of the individuals, especially those we call the founding fathers of America, were jacks of many trades, right? They equal parts scientist, author, philosopher, statesman, nation founder. You can see this in others as well. I mean, look at Thomas Jefferson or George Washington or Alexander Hamilton, all very well-traveled, all all very interesting individuals, and all had their hands in many, many things. Not to mention that almost every single one of them was an active farmer. Now, of course, they were supplemented and augmented by slave trade, which is something that we obviously look down upon these days, rightfully so. But still, to have all of your hands in all of these things, and then on top of that to challenge the most powerful nation in the world at the time, Great Britain, for sovereignty is quite the feat. And so again, Benjamin Franklin, interesting character, at the age of 20 years old, established for himself a goal to achieve, quote, moral perfection. His goal was to live a perfect life. And he held many a job during his life that would challenge these, this, this goal. He served as the minister to Sweden. He also served as the minister to France. And he served as the postmaster general, the very first in the United States, and many other roles, in addition to all the other things that he did. And he took the idea of moral perfection and he subdivided it into 13 constituent parts, which he referred to as virtues. So that's where we get the term Benjamin Franklin's virtues. And there are 13 of them. Again, they are, and we'll go over these in, in individual detail. Those 13 virtues were temperance, silence, order, resolution, frugality, industry, sincerity, justice, moderation, cleanliness, tranquility, chastity, and humility. And again, we will not go through all 13 of these today. These will be divided out over the coming weeks so that you can digest them and, and tackle them on your own outside of the episode between episodes. 
And he sought, as I said, to never violate these, these 13 principles. He, he, he sought to live, quote, without committing any fault at any time. End quote. And arguably, he failed miserably, as we all certainly would at a pursuit as grandiose as this. But he pursued it. And we've talked about this before, that sometimes it's not even necessarily the success at the action that matters. It's the pursuit. It is the dogged pursuit. It is the taking a strain on to be better. The ultimate goal may never and will never be achieved, but the process yields a very fulfilling result and ultimately leads us to be better, if not perfect. So you may be asking yourself, as I did, why 13 virtues? Why of all the numbers, of all the things that you could have put together, why 13? Well, Benjamin Franklin, very smart guy, 13 easily divides four times into the 52 weeks of the calendar year, allowing him, therefore, to focus on one virtue per week for 13 weeks and to repeat that rotation four times in a year. So today, we'll cover the first four of these. We'll talk about temperance, silence, order, and resolution. So let's jump right into it, shall we? Temperance. Temperance is defined as moderation or voluntary self-restraint. And of course, this is directly in line with the some of the things that we've talked about before on this episode. And in Franklin's case, he was referring largely to food and drink. But we've talked about taking the easy path before. We've talked about seeking out and doing hard things. And that in the act of doing hard things, whether you are successful at those things or not, you find a degree of fulfillment and a degree of improvement just based on the fact that you didn't take the easy way out. The easy way to live a life may be to only ever, I don't know, learn one language. The language of your birth, the language of your home country. Maybe that's all you ever learn. Do you need to learn another language? Probably not, but many do. And the act of taking that strain and that constant, consistent work that goes into it you're restraining yourself voluntarily from taking the easy path. So while temperance is usually meant to avoid excesses, I think you can also apply this to things that otherwise would be seen as, as, as good, perhaps. So self-restraining from an easy life. You are tempering an easy life with challenges, deliberately. And of course, we know the word temperance mostly as it applies to alcohol. You've heard of the temperance movement, no doubt. But Franklin noted it more broadly as to, quote, eat not to dullness, drink not to elevation, end quote. So he's looking at this, and I think there are two ways to, to look at temperance in terms of eating and drinking, and that it's in the micro scale, which is meal to meal or drink to drink. So literally, in one given sitting, do not eat to dullness and do not drink to elevation or excess. Uh, do not drink to the point where you lose control of your faculties. And it can also be looked at in the macro, which is developing slothfulness due to overeating or an inability to function in society as a result of excessive drinking. Those are the kinds of macro problems that can result from this. So applying this temperance to a life as a whole, you would restrain yourself from overeating. 
and restrain yourself from over-drinking so as to be able to accomplish other things. And you'll see this throughout these 13 virtues. Franklin built these and decided upon these so that, and ordered them even, so that they would build upon one another. And temperance is the first part of it. If you are so full that you can't function, you are you have eaten to dullness, to use his term, or you have consumed alcohol to the point where your faculties are so diminished that you can't function, how could you possibly expect to do the other 12 of these virtues? So temperance is a good place to start. And it's something I think we arguably could all use. We probably all eat a little too much. Maybe some of us drink a little bit too much from time to time. And maybe it's something that we should and can consider as something that we should adopt for ourselves. And another thing I'll ask you, listener, as I go through this, is to consider what a week of doing this or focusing on this would look like to you. Because I'm going to challenge you at the end of the episode the way that I normally do, but consider if you had a week to focus on temperance, what would that mean to you? How would you do that? How would you temper your relationship with food or drink for a week? And again, this is an exercise in voluntary self-restraint. So now let's move on to the next the next virtue, and that is the, the virtue of silence. And I think the this one is fairly self-evident, but it's extremely difficult in practice. Right? You're listening to me talk to you on a podcast. Theoretically, and I'm not encouraging you to turn this off, but theoretically, you're violating this silence virtue. And you could, your time could arguably be better spent in silence rather than listening to this or any other podcast episode. How many mindless pieces of television do you watch? How many, how constant is the stimulation that you seek out? And to be fair, finding true silence, even if we were able to completely control all of the stimuli that we ourselves generate, and that is picking up our phone, watching a video, watching TV, listening to music or podcasts or the radio or what have you. Even if we were able to strip all that out, true silence is nearly impossible these days. In fact, I'm reading a book by Gordon Hempton called One Square Inch of Silence, which is an interesting book, and it really makes you appreciate how rare true silence is. And that's what Hempton does in his book, is he seeks out this one spot in Olympia National Park in Washington State that is the farthest he can get from natural man-made sound. Now, it's not truly silent. There's always nature and wind and water and animals and things like that. He's talking about a space uninterrupted by man-made sound, and that's it's very hard for him to find. And even once he finds it, it's constantly interrupted by things like airplanes flying overhead and people working with power tools nearby. But it makes you appreciate just how hard it is if you truly want to find silence, how difficult that is. But imagine the value, right? It's hugely valuable. And something that I've come across in the last few years that I find to be very fascinating are things called anechoic chambers. So they are rooms or spaces deliberately designed to not produce an echo. And so are hugely insulated against sound and also don't allow sound created within to travel. And they're used for various types of sensor development and stereo equipment testing and things of that nature. But I would love to spend time in one of those. And I've heard it's a very strange experience. You can watch videos online of people visiting these things. But it sounds like a very interesting space, a true silent area that you could get as close to true silence 
apparently you can th- hear things like your own blood flow through your through your veins when you're in one of these spaces. You can hear as your bones interact as you move. Um, I hesitate to say the word grind, but that's essentially what it sounds like. It sounds like you know the bones sliding across the various tissues and fibers. You can hear that because there's no other sound. And of course, Franklin had something to say about silence, just like he does about the others. He said, speak not, but what may benefit others or yourself. Avoid trifling conversations. Or, put another way, do not speak unless you can improve the silence. And there have been many other quotes over the years about silence and about the importance thereof. But a lot of growth and learning can happen in that space. But we're so accustomed to a constant buzz and hum of the world around us that it's it's a strange phenomenon and something that's that's worth seeking out from time to time even if it's not perfect silence more silent is certainly an opportunity for for betterment so let's move on to the next one order and order in this sense refers to the management of both time and of actions franklin said let all your things have their places let each part of your business have its time and I don't know that he was referring to business as your business as in a job. I think he just meant business of life, the business of life itself. And if you think through life as you know it, most things in life have an optimal sequence, which is both worth identifying and also worth adhering to. There is an, there is a, an optimally efficient way to do certain things. Think of your daily routine when you get up in the morning. What order do you perform various actions in? You probably do not get dressed before you take a shower. You probably uh, do not work out immediately before you go to work in your workout clothing. Even your daily routine of brushing your teeth, using mouthwash, cleaning your face, washing your hands, in putting on your contacts, doing your hair, doing your makeup, whatever it happens to be, your daily routine has an optimally efficient path and that is worth identifying you practice that every day and you probably have it down to a science at this point you do it so frequently but certainly there are other things like maybe your workouts or any type of skill development activity that you engage in that has an optimal path for success identifying that putting it in the correct order and then managing your time letting it have its proper place and not attempting to take shortcuts is what Benjamin Franklin is talking about when it comes to order. So examining your day and thinking about where is the disorder, where is the imperfection that I can improve upon, is a worthwhile pursuit if you're abiding by Franklin's virtue of order. And the last one for the day is resolution. Essentially, resolution is finishing what you start. Let nothing deter you from your task. We've all, we all know the trope of New Year's resolutions that fail. I've had them, we've talked about it before, I'm sure you have them. And it's a trope that nearly all of them fail. Why? I think nearly every single one fails because our resolve crumbles. We miss something, we fail to do something that we said we were going to do on a specific interval, or for a specific duration, We become disheartened, the novelty of the whole process wears off, then we turn to justifying our missing the next time and the time after that, and then we just eventually move on. We just forget about it. It just becomes acceptable because, well, it happens to everybody. Everybody's resolutions fail. 
Well, Franklin went a step further, and he said, quote, Resolve to perform what you ought. Perform without fail what you resolve. The first step of this is identifying what it is that you should be doing. And I just talked a little bit during the silence about spending time watching streaming television, whether that's Disney Plus or Netflix or whatever the, whatever the um, streaming service du jour happens to be at the time that you're listening to this. Is that a worthwhile pursuit? Now, I don't think Franklin would look down his nose at any of the novel activities that we do for fun, just for relaxation, because there are times where it's important. I know that I have come off long periods of work or challenging times in my life where all I want to do is something mindless. I don't want to be working on a new self-improvement, skill development type activity. I just want to engage in a mindless activity to pass the time. There's nothing wrong with that, and I don't think Franklin is saying that. But what he is saying is that when you resolve that something is important enough to do, to do it to completion. So whether that is pursuing a new skill, whether that is starting a new job, whether that is learning a new way of doing things. Hell, it could be taking these 13 virtues and internalizing them. Once you've identified that it is a worthwhile pursuit Perform without fail what you resolve. So first identify and then execute and execute to full completion. Don't take a shortcut. Don't cut a corner. Do what needs to be done because you at some point identified that it was important. Don't justify. Don't go back on your own word. Identify what's important. Take the time and do it and then execute. So that's it for the first four of the 13 that we'll cover over the next weeks. So now what? Well, as I said at the beginning, I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to challenge myself. There is a week until the next episode will be released where we'll cover the next batch of the 13 traits, or excuse me, 13 virtues. So in that time, think on these virtues. We went over four of them today. Temperance, silence, order, and resolution. Perhaps the next week looks something like this for you. Day one, tomorrow. Think on them. Identify which of the four your strongest and weakest are. Think about the other two, the ones that fall in the middle. Why are they there? What are you basing that on? And then, days two through five, so that's four days, spend each of those four days focused on one of those traits. So the day after next would be temperance, and then the following day silence, then order, and then resolution. Which leaves you days six and seven, and perhaps day six is an assessment day, where you look back over the four previous days, and be brutally honest. How well did you do? Did you go out to a happy hour with colleagues and drink a few too many drinks on your day of temperance? Did you completely neglect the silence thing until the final five minutes of the day right before you fell asleep, and sat there quietly for about 30 seconds before you got bored and say, eh, that was silence, sort of. And be honest with yourself. Assess how you did. Right? And then on day seven, make a new plan. You're about to embark on the next episode at that point, I hope. And what is your new plan? How are you going to take temperance, silence, order, and resolution and implement them further? And then internalize that plan because I'm going to come at you with another group of them next week and challenge you again to do the same thing. So get these four internalized, get a plan for how to tackle them, identify what you need to work on, 
and do it. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app, or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.